0: This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Join the conversation and message Buck on Facebook, Instagram, or email teambuck at iheartmedia.com. He may read it on the show.
1: It seems like we're more able to have open discussion now than before because you're having people that are finally admitting, you know what? Maybe we didn't have all the answers about COVID all along. Maybe we didn't know what we were talking about, but We insisted. They insisted that they had all the answers for you. That was their initial premise, but that's changing now. And I have to tell you, we will be the ones pushing for accountability here. They want to just move beyond and and keep the power in the background, the ability to control in the background that they've had up to this point. But I have other plans in store. But something else right now, we really got to focus in on what's going on in this country right now. And we have. Holidays coming up, including, very important holiday, Memorial Day. You know how important small businesses are to me. And for a few weeks now, I've been telling you about a great company based out of Charleston, South Carolina, called Allegiance Flag Supply. I absolutely love their story. Three friends who noticed that the American flags they had in the front of their house were constantly getting tangled, mildewed, torn or shredded after just a few months. They searched high and low for a better flag, but big box stores and Amazon purchases only turned up flags that were made in China, or if they happened to be made in the U.S., they were mass produced and came out of some big machine making thousands at a time with really cheap materials. Like you and me, the flag means a lot more to them, so they decided to do something about it. They started Allegiance Flag Supply out of their own garage and have built the company from the ground up. No investors, no loans, just their blood, sweat, tears, and time. And today, they make the best American flags and accessories you can find anywhere on the market. So if you've been looking to purchase a flag for your home, and you too are tired of that flag getting tangled that you have out there uh, already, go to showallegiance.com. That's right, showallegiance.com is the website you'll find the highest quality American flags possible. Just go to showallegiance.com. Make sure you enter promo code BUCK for 10% off your purchase. We have Memorial Day weekend just ahead. Flag Day coming up on June 14th and Independence Day, July 4th. Now more than ever, friends, show your patriotism. Get your flag from Allegiance Flags. Showallegiance.com is the website. Showallegiance.com. Make sure you use promo code BUCK for 10% off
2: but no i'm not convinced uh, about that i think that we should continue to investigate what went on in china until we find out to the best of our ability exactly what happened certainly the people who've investigated say that it likely was the emergence from an animal reservoir that then infected individuals but it could have been something else and we need to find that out so you know that's the reason why i said i'm perfectly in favor of any investigation that looks into the origin of the virus. Oh, Fauci all of a sudden wants
1: the intellectual approach, the scientific method. He wants us to be able to ask questions and really get true answers about the origins of COVID-19. Gee, it's almost like this guy is a weather vane. It's almost like he just goes wherever the political winds are blowing at any point in time. Don't you all recall that when Donald Trump among others was putting forward the idea that this came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that the pandemic that has shocked and greatly wounded the world and caused millions of deaths, that don't don't we all remember when that was raised it was oh no, It came from bats, actually a pangolin, actually, I don't know, who knows what animal it was, but something in a wet market, yada, 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 global pandemic, shut up and do what you're told. That was the idea. That was what they were telling us. Some people, though, were saying, hold on a second. This just happens to show up, this COVID-19 virus, right in the near vicinity of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which was studying bat viruses and engaged in gain of function research when it comes to bat viruses. That is a massive coincidence, isn't it? China's a very big country and it's a big world out there. A lot of places you could have zoonotic transmission, transmission from animal to human, the jump that occurs. Why do we usually have and here's a bit of important trivia for all of you. Why do we usually have flu viruses? Come from China because of their practices of raising and close contact with livestock animals. That's why you get uh, swine flu, bird flu. They come from China because of the zoonotic transmission that occurs. But this coronavirus, this bat virus, hmm, are are there people that are in huge, uh, hu- huge numbers in close contact with vast quantities? Of bats the same way they are with with geese, with pigs, with uh, with chickens. No, they are not. So what are the chances really that this just magically jumped from bat to human or from bat to pangolin to human? If you ask these questions, if you approach this with intellectual honesty, you were shouted down. The World Health Organization has looked into this, they say. The World Health Organization has given us all the information we need. Well, no, that's not true. You recently, in the, in the journal Science, had 18 biologists, immunologists, and other scientists who were criticizing the WHO report. And these are people with the most impeccable credentials you can find. And they were saying that there needs to be a much more extensive evaluation um, of the zoonotic transmission hypothesis, that there's very little clear uh, data on this one and, and that concluding that this is a settled science is absurd. But why is that only happening now? This is where you get into the politics of it. This is where you get into why we were all told to shut up. First of all, that they couldn't even tell you where the virus came from, how it got started, what its origins were, was something that the panicked public health establishment did not want to admit because then they also were telling you, "Oh, don't worry. We know that social distancing and lysoling your groceries and washing your hands thirty times a day and wearing a mask. We know that these things will will stop the the spread. They'll flatten the curve. Remember that? Did they really flatten the curve? Does anyone but still believe that? Oh, sure. Now it's well, maybe it reduced to two percent or five percent or something, but." Originally, it was just do these things and we'll stop this thing in its tracks. Didn't happen. Didn't work. And mask maniac blue Democrat parts of the country got hit worse than anywhere else. But you weren't allowed to ask questions. You weren't allowed to say, hold on a second. What's really going on here? You had to listen to Fauci talking about the reservoir theory. It came from the reservoir. Uh, and everyone said, well, listen to the science Now. Some of these same voices are saying, oh, yeah, no, we, we we're not convinced that WHO, which is acting at the behest of China on this one, China won't share some of its data on the uh, the origins of this virus. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you share data? This is just about a disease. This is just about a virus. What do you have to hide, China? We all know the answer is a lot. So there was the we don't want people to understand that we don't really know that much about this virus component of it, because it's, it's harder to control people in the way that they wanted to when you have to admit there's a lot you don't know. If there's a lot you don't know, then people start thinking, maybe we should ask some questions, and maybe they don't know what the heck they're talking about. Couldn't have that. Couldn't have doubts. Not allowed. And then there was the other political component of this. Do you remember who was blamed more than any other person for the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 in this country, in our media, in our media, Donald Trump, as crazy as it was, as unfair, as reckless and ruthless as it was, they made it seem like if only Trump had done X, Y, and Z, we'd be so much better off. And to that, I say, look at, look at Western Europe, look at India, look at Brazil, Look at countries of comparable size and density that have had enormously uh, worse outcomes from COVID 19 on a per capita basis. But Donald Trump didn't believe the science. That was the story they told us, that was the belief that we were supposed to have. And look what that left us with how we had an entire population cowed by the so-called experts oh we can't ask questions do as you're told double mask any person able to think for themselves would say really it took them almost a full year masking is so effective that it took them almost a full year to decide that double masking was much more effective they they didn't know that additional masking wouldn't limit the droplets coming out of your mouth As if that's really how people are all getting the virus. We're all being hit with spittle all the time. No, that's not actually how people were getting this. We all know it. We all know it now. They were wrong, wrong, and wrong again. But it was so important to blame Donald Trump and to make sure that Trump, who was somebody that had taken a different posture toward China, that was willing to confront China, that views the Chinese Communist Party as a true and direct threat to U.S. and just Western democratic rule of law hegemony. China's a threat to all of that economically, politically, and yes, militarily. Trump understands that. And so he takes the position that we should call it the China virus. Why do they say you can't do that? Oh, now we hear about the South African variant and the Brazilian variant and all the variants. You know, Fauci talks about the variants all the time based on where we first figure out where these things come from why was it racist to call it the china virus remember race it's so racist oh okay that's not something that we worry about when it comes to zika or spanish flu or west nile or you name it any number of viruses named for places uh from which they ebola But no, no, it was racist to call it the China virus or the Chinese virus or whatever it was that Trump was saying, because if it was clear that this was the recklessness of the primary adversary on the world stage that Donald Trump had been trying to confront for years and that their recklessness and lies led to a global pandemic that cost millions of lives, trillions of dollars. Some people might have said, wow, Trump was really on to something with that, wasn't he? At least he saw the challenge of China coming and was willing to do something about it. But no, it was much more important to just emotionally and irrationally place blame on Trump for COVID and to pander to the social justice rhetoric of the left and the identity politics. And, oh, it's ra- Trump is racist when he talks about the virus that's infecting everyone all over the world. Somehow that was, that was racist. No, we, we see now that they have been wrong and in many cases lied to us certainly about their certainty they lied to us about the degree to which they had answers which when you're talking about health is wrong is reckless is destructive they should have been saying all along we don't know we can't prove this we don't have data for this we don't know that it didn't come from a lab prove that it came from a lab, and let's talk about it. Instead, it was, no, 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 the WHO, sorry, already looked at this. We can't prove how effective, or even if they're effective at all, masks actually are. They don't have this data. They only have lab studies. But no, 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 we, we, have, we know, we're certain, over and over again. Friends, there are two kinds of people in this country and you've seen it play out for over a year now. Those who can think for themselves and those who cannot.
3: I think the challenge right now is that the, uh, the side of the ledger that supports the thesis that this came from a zoonotic source, from an animal source, hasn't budged. And the side of the ledger that suggests this could have come out of a lab has been continuing to grow. So people a year ago who said, well, this probably came from nature, it's really unlikely it came from a lab, maybe a year ago that kind of a statement made a lot of sense because that was the more likely scenario. But we haven't found the intermediate host. We found no evidence of this virus in an animal anywhere. The closest um, homology we found is a pangolin outbreak that occurred in March of 2019. Um, But we haven't found the true source of the virus. And with MERS and SARS, at this point, with those outbreaks, those epidemics, we had found the intermediate host. And it's not for lack of trying. There has been an exhaustive search for what the animal host was for this virus, and it hasn't been found. So I think the, the ledger on the side of the lab continues to grow and the question for a lot of people is going to be when are too many coincidences too much when does it just seem that there's too many things suggesting that this could have come out of a lab um and right now you know there's more and more circumstantial evidence certainly i don't think we're ever going to get to the bottom of this because unless we have a whistleblower Hmm. assuming it did come out of a lab and i'm not saying it did but assuming it did unless we have a whistleblower regime change in china you're not going to truly find out if there are retained samples from those people who are infected in that lab I don't think they're available anymore.
1: Yeah, China is going to cover this up, obviously. So we can't rely on what China has. But note this, whenever someone hears about circumstantial evidence, most people go to prison because of circumstantial evidence. Usually you don't have an eyewitness in a criminal case. Usually it's okay. What do we have? You have a lot of circumstantial evidence piled together, and that's enough to go beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, Usually you don't have an eyewitness. You don't have a smoke. You don't have the so-called smoking gun. And that's why when you when you see how this is going right now, how this is trending, it, it becomes apparent very quickly that Democrats were using this for political reasons in the in the 2020 year against Trump. Didn't want people to think more about this. Uh, didn't want people to dig into it, and were willing to believe the WHO. The WHO is showing up, and this is like you know this is like dealing with. Uh, with Saddam and the weapons inspectors, right? One of the things that we did know is Saddam wasn't being honest with the weapons inspectors. Uh, whether, you, whether you believe that he, he got rid of all of it or only some of it, I mean, there was a lot of stuff happening there. You think the WHO is going to get real access to the data from the Wuhan Institute of Virology? Here's some of the circumstantial evidence that... Oh, and I just want to also point out, social media shut down lab leak theory stuff. Okay. Social media, like Facebook, said you could not put that theory out there. Now, why? Why were they so sensitive? Because this was part of the Trump was wrong and it was so important to people that Trump was wrong about the China virus. And beyond that. uh, They also didn't want this to be used for xenophobia or they were worried about attacks on on, you know, Chinese-Americans or Asian-Americans. Interesting study that just came out, at least in New York City, of hate crimes. Uh, over 90% against the Asian-American uh, community. Not from white guys. That was just in campus reform over the weekend. A study out of uh, out of the UC system, University of California system, about New York City hate crimes. 90% plus attacks, uh, hate crimes of any kind against Asian-Americans in New York City. Not white guys. But yet... What did we hear for a little while from the media? Right. Lies, because they lie to you all the time. So now the the lab leak theory back to to where we are on this is getting greater uh, credibility, greater, greater um, focus, because you have one, uh, a number of people who came down with severe illness from the lab in about October, November 2019. That's what you'd call a pretty big coincidence, isn't it? And what we know from this virus is it is highly contagious. So if a couple of people had it in the lab, how quick, how easy do you think it is in China before anybody was worried about COVID? You-, you think that they're not in close quarters with a whole bunch of folks going to the store at home? Come on. And as the New York Post writes it here, this particular coronavirus showed up seemingly out of nowhere, perfectly suited to attack humans would be quite the mystery if it hadn't first popped up in a city with two virology institutes that were studying bat coronaviruses. That's right. I mean, this, this could have come if it was a zoonotic transmission issue. It could have come from a wet market anywhere in China because they're all over China. An unfortunate vestige of the era of Mao's Marxism where people were starving to death. And so they started raising wild animals for food, and then it became a cultural practice. This is true. This is how the wet markets got going. Bats and lizards and pangolins and whatever. They started capturing and breeding wild animals for food because Mao's practices for uh, for agriculture and farming and animal husbandry were so bad that people that there was mass starvation during the famine, Mao's Great Famine, 40 to 60 million people died. So they were just grabbing whatever they could, understandably, to survive. And then it just became a a cultural practice. And then it was worth hundreds of millions of dollars because there were also these ideas of of uh, rural agricultural and peasant uh, medicine where people would just say, oh, if you eat this, it'll cure this. Or if you do this, it'll give you greater vitality or whatever virality. And so people started eating these weird animals in China. And then it grew into a big practice. But this didn't happen. There are these wet markets all over China, so-called wet markets. This didn't happen um, in just any old place. It happened in one where there were two institutes, one in particular, that was studying back coronaviruses and gain-of-function research. We go back to the, the beginnings of this. We go back to Occam's razor like a chainsaw on this one. What makes sense? What doesn't? What adds up? And what seems like nonsense? And when you apply this to the origin theory, you can also start to apply this to everything else that they've been demanding of you about covid, all the other claims they've made. We're beating this virus by masking up. Yeah, sure. We've seen what happens when people are not allowed to not only think for themselves, but communicate freely. This was a tyranny test, friends, and it is one that the Western world
4: Listen, the the numbers just continue to improve. To put all of this in context, from the very beginning, uh, many businesses remained open. And then back in October, businesses opened up at 75%. And then, as you pointed out, in March, we had uh, the entire economy open up 100% and no more mask, and of course, President Biden and the Democrats railed against it. You heard what President Biden said, other Democrats said that I had issued a death warrant And then, as you pointed out, we continue to have a decline in deaths after we open up 100 percent until we reach that mark of uh, a day with zero deaths and hospitalizations continue to go down even more. Uh, The number of cases and positivity rate continue to go down even more. Yesterday uh, was the lowest positivity rate that we've had on record during the history of the entire pandemic. And so it shows that the right move was to make sure that we did open up, get things back to normal
1: governor of texas taking a victory lap based on data and reality isn't that so interesting i told you some time ago that we would revisit you'll remember this on the show i said when texas lifted its mask mandate when texas opened all businesses and said just folks time to go back to normal life when that happened i said all right let's give this six weeks so because what they kept doing is what they do with climate change they just They move the timeline. They move the timeline. So they say two more weeks, two more weeks, two more weeks. I say, we'll give it six weeks. I'm not going to say anything for six weeks. We'll at least not really come back and and revisit it. And that was now, what, four months ago? Three, four months ago? Something like that. And sure enough, who was right and who was wrong? This This is not up for debate. This is a factual question. Did Texas's removal of the mandate did it result in a surge was there a surge no or did we hit a plateau because of the data we compiled the data and there was a surge no we saw that the cases continued to go down down and down again they they only went in one direction so we get rid of a mask mandate then they say well there's still local mask mandates okay so then why did you need a state one if people were just going to do this anyway They never it's unfalsifiable what they've told you, you see, no no matter what happens. Oh, it would have been worse. No matter what happens. Oh, people are doing it anyway. Okay, well, gee, isn't, isn't that convenient? Isn't it convenient that the idea itself of wearing a mask to stop a respiratory virus from mass circulation was considered by the medical community in this country? Absurd until about a year ago based upon what not based upon new data not based upon you know new extensive testing based upon fear and panic and control that is what happened you see this with Texas Neanderthal thinking that's what they said Neanderthal thinking okay well some of you are actually saying if you go back to the period of the when Neanderthals were roaming the earth they actually had very large brains and This notion we have that we're so much more advanced than Neanderthals then is a whole other part of uh, uh, human history that we could get into another time. But who was right and who was wrong? The lockdown libs were wrong. Just say it. Just say it. Understand it. Marinate in it for a second. Hmm, yeah. Wow, they really got that one wrong. Rochelle Walensky, who was giving these speeches just a few weeks ago about how she had this fear... Of impending doom from the virus. Yeah, lowest, lowest cases, lowest hospitalizations in in a year right now, nationwide in the United States. And just it's going to keep going down and down and down. Okay, this is what has happened. Unfortunately, a lot of the vulnerable population, the seniors in this country were infected while we were waiting for this virus. And that's how we lost so many people. I'm sorry, waiting for this vaccine. And that's how we lost so many people. Remember, this virus, we were led to believe we were controlling it for a year when it clearly was not being controlled. The measures that they told us would work did not work. The same people who were saying, oh, it didn't come from a lab were saying, oh, masking is more effective than a vaccine. The head of the CDC said that to Congress last fall. Fact check me on it. Go for it. You'll remember Dr. Redfield. I think this 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 mask might be more effective even than a, than a vaccine. If I. Remember when he said that? But people like me who are pointing out how stupid this was. Blocked on Facebook. Suspended. Blocked on Twitter. You're going to lose your account if you keep this up. You won't be able to talk to your audience anymore on social media. Okay. Do you think any of them send a little note? You know, guys, wow, we really... We are... We, the social media companies, really are the enemies of free speech. We really are totalitarian lib nut jobs. No, they... They, uh, they did not say that. They did not say that. Bunch of wackos. We're just saving people by shutting down free speech. That's what we do. We save them by shutting down free speech. Sure. Sure. And yet here we are. Here we are. Finally seeing the results. Another, another area where I ask you uh, how we can question or ha- how we should be able to question the consensus. Dr. Rand Paul talking about how he feels about getting vaccinated as a recovered person. Here's what he says play 14
2: hospitalized or getting very sick i've just made my own personal decision that i'm not getting vaccinated because i've already had the disease and i have natural immunity now um but that should be my you know in a free country you would think people would honor you know the idea that each individual would get to make their medical decisions that it wouldn't be big brother coming and telling me you know what i have to do are they going to also tell me i can't have a cheeseburger for lunch
1: where is the evidence to Uh, Where's the evidence to prove that natural immunity is weaker than uh, immunity over the long term from from those who get the vaccine? They don't have it. it doesn't exist. They don't know. So what do they do? They take a guess, but they know that if they're taking a guess, they're making a judgment call, not really based on knowing, but on thinking. And that's not the same thing. But that's been their sin all along. They pretend they know when really they just think. They pretend they're sure when really they're making a judgment call. But that was a necessary ruse. That was a necessary deception in order to keep the power to force you to do what they want you to do. Because the moment they admit that they're just making a best guess, you start to say, well, hold on a second. Can we talk about this a little bit more? Can we have uh, more discussion about this? Can you show me the data? No, it was shut up, mask up, get that shot. Don't ask any questions. Really pretty horrifying behavior from our government and from the Democrats, the collectivists, the Marxists among us who are fine with collective behavior, collectivist behavior, as long as they're the ones that feel like their team, their team is calling the shots. Great. Do whatever it says. You have no constitutional protection. You had no free exercise of religion. You had no free speech rights. Not really. You know, not not in any way that mattered during this pandemic. You know, shut up and do what you're told. It's really hard to stand against masking when the government is mandating you have to do it everywhere. It's really hard to point out. I mean, but look, look at schools. I mean, I was going to say it's really hard to point out there how wrong they were on schools. Private and parochial schools across the country were open this, this last school year. You know what were not open? the uh, public, uh, public schools. And it was because of teachers' unions, and we all know it. The teachers' unions are a disgrace. They're disgusting. They're run by... The, the teachers' union officials are... Democrat hacks who are dishonest and lazy and just want to milk the taxpayer for everything they can and make sure that there's the least amount of accountability, the least amount. I mean, it's the teachers unions act like they're the agent of some Hollywood star that wants, you know, only red M&Ms in the jars in the room. And they're holding your kids hostage to do that, you know, in the green room beforehand. That's what they're acting like. They're not negotiating a a contract for Tom Cruise's next movie because he at least brings a lot of value to that. They're negotiating against the taxpayer to make sure that the people in the teachers unions are able to stay home, get all their pay, get all their benefits and not have to do anything. While your kids were suffering, while parents were having to figure out, what do I do? You're, you were still paying those taxes. You're still paying taxes in a lot of places. Your real estate taxes, which is a major burden on a lot of people go right to your local school districts, goes right to the public school system. And you didn't get some break because they were doing Zoom learning. There was no there was no cut in those benefits, right? Ah, or those taxes. You know what happened here. The Democrat left used a crisis to seize control, to shut down free speech, to shut down dissent. And now that the truth is emerging on a whole array of fronts, They want to act like, yeah, let's all just sort of forget about that and be friends. I say no. I say we have to crush their lies, hold them to account, and keep fighting on this because they will do this again, whether it's about a third round of some respiratory virus this, this winter, or it's about climate change, or it's about gun control. They will run this playbook again unless we make it impossible or at least hard for them by making sure that we chase down the truth. That's the part of this that I insist on. And I I still ask, where is going back to the Rand Paul thing? Where is the data to show that the vaccine works better than natural immunity? Where do they have that proof? I have yet to see it. A pair of mass shootings over the weekend. Multiple shooters fired into a crowded concert and barbecue in a North Charleston neighborhood. uh, On May late on uh, May 22nd. 14 people hit with bullets, including a 14 year old girl who later died. The individuals who were angry at each other, who were shooting, neither of them got hit. So they just hit a bunch of innocent bystanders. And this was not a shooting that involved uh, the preferred mass shooting uh, perpetrator of the mainstream media, uh, it, they, they were not. It was not a, a white nationalist. These were uh, these two shooters. The alleged shooters in this case were African-Americans at a party, started shooting. Fourteen people hit. OK. A shooting in Bridgeton, New Jersey. Another one here where you had 12 people injured, two people dead, bullets flying all over the place. Again, not. White nationalists, not uh, you know, not white supremacists, engaging in a mass shooting, um, but the media covers the story and then very quickly moves on from it. Very quickly moves on because, as you know, we we are to believe that mass shootings are uniquely uh, a uniquely white male and white nationalists in particular in this current era phenomenon, which is a lie. It's not true, but you know, that's what they say. That's what the media wants you to believe. And you'll see this. You'll see this. People will, you know, journalists will say it's oh, you know, it's always, every time there's a mass shooting, oh, it's always a white male. That's what they'll say. That's just not true. In fact, mass shootings tend to spread out among different ethnic groups, pretty close to proportion of the population, which is what, what you would expect. But that is not the way that it is reported on. Instead, when you have these shootings, I mean, you know, 12 people hit, 14 people hit, 14-year-old girl killed. These are big shootings, folks, involving a lot of people. But because the shooter wasn't wearing a MAGA hat or because the shooter, you know, wasn't in some way associated with the right and was not a white male. It's a very different kind of story in the news. They they cover it very differently. Okay, what does, let's say, uh, our political class focus on right now with surging violence in the country, homicides spiking still even compared to last year's increase you have more people getting shot more people dying on the streets of America's cities and across the country what does the democrat party want to focus on a crisis in policing that's the crisis the crisis is the police the cops are not good enough the cops are bad that's what they're telling you we gotta we gotta rein in those cops here's cory booker a, a pandering fraud, if you could ever find one. Play nine.
5: Now we're seeing this every single day. The profession itself, here in New Jersey, applications to the state police are a historic low, about 90% less people even applying hmm. to be New Jersey state troopers. We have a crisis of policing in America. It's not well, new. But we have to come together and fix it. And one of the things that public needs is trust, transparency, accountability to make sure that we all feel confident uh, that our policing is meeting the standards of our nation. If we keep saying that police officers are somehow above the law, that will never establish the kind of trust that we need in America to move forward.
1: Wow. Isn't that amazing? It sounds there like he understands the problem. For a moment, you're probably saying, "Buck, wait, Cory Booker gets it. We have a crisis in policing because he's saying we don't have enough people applying, and we, you know, we we, we don't have the cops we need uh, showing up uh, for you know doing their jobs every day because less and less people want to get involved in this, comma because there's not enough accountability, and they think they're above the law, and there's a lack of trust. Oh, so it's the cops' fault? No, it's the dishonest, pandering politicians like Cory Booker." All Democrats, folks, Democrats, when it comes to this issue, they own the issue of being soft on crime. They own the issue of undermining police. This is all on their side of the aisle. You don't have Republicans running around saying defund police. Oh, that's the police. And and occasionally when when Republicans get bullied or when they get a little a little too uh, weak in the spinal area about defending law enforcement, we try to bring them back in line with reality very quickly. But wasn't that amazing from Cory Booker? Yeah, we have historic low applications to police, maybe because the Democrats keep feeding police to the wolves, acting like the reason there's a spike in crime, the reason there are such dysfunctional, violent communities in so many places in America is the lack of transparency and accountability in policing. Cops think they're above the law. That's the problem. Do you think the... 14 people who were shot in North Charleston over the weekend Do you think that that's because of a lack of police accountability do you think that the dozen people that were shot and or wounded during the mass shooting in New Jersey over the weekend you think it's because of a lack of police accountability this is the stuff that Democrats say just lies just lies just reckless grotesque and they know, they know better At some level, they understand this is crap. But what do you tell communities that have a lot of violence that are Democrat run and controlled? We're talking about these major cities, talking about places all across the country with Democrats in charge, in charge of the police force, in charge of the mayor's office, in charge of the governor's house. What do you say? Oh, it's it's not our systemic policy issues that are the that are the problem. The undermining of cops It's that the cops aren't good enough. This does not stop until the public at large, Democrat and Republican, repudiates the pandering nonsense. Cops are not the problem. They're the answer. They finally removed the National Guard from the Capitol over the weekend. They they finally ended the mission at the Capitol. Let me just say that this whole thing was such a farce, such a disgrace as as if what there was going to be a, the the unarmed insurrection. AOC, a- 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 who I really do think is is unstable now. I-, I used to just think that she was somebody who wasn't very bright, which is still true. But now I think she's unstable, and and she she's effect- effectively admitting that she's having to get uh, treatment for the PTSD that she feels from the the so called insurrection. Oh. We uh, we are not sending our best to. Our nation's capital, that's for sure. And and we have this this big story that continued on for so long of how. There was there was an insurrection that was averted at the last second by. Capitol police walking around saying, hey, you guys have got to get out of here. This is what they tell us. The National Guard ended their mission uh, at the Capitol. Four months after troops were called down to the district following the, quote, deadly January 6th attack on the Capitol, end quote. For whom was the attack deadly? Only one person, a protester named Ashley Babbitt. Can you imagine what the response would be if there was a deadly BLM riot where the only person killed was an unarmed female protester, not in physical or even close contact with any human being at the time of her being shot in the neck. Can you imagine what that would be like? But this is how the Democrats do what they do. They have, the, they have control of our institutions, folks. They have control of the media. I can sit here and tell you the truth. For every show like mine, there are 50 shows, TV and streaming internet and, and you know, all over the place of lunatic libs, running news channels or doing quote news shows who are telling you that this was all, all reasonable and necessary. Yeah. I'm sure the most boring job probably in the history of the national guard was to be one of the thousands deployed to defend the Capitol from the insurrection. Um, This, this whole thing was such an overreaction. It's an embarrassment. Really the kind of people who think that, we needed thousands of National Guard to continue to be at our nation's capital are, the, are very similar to the people who think that triple masking is reasonable. You've got a triple mask and wear goggles forever. We have a society with a lot of people who are emotionally and psychologically broken. And this, this really does get into some existential questions and issues about our society overall and, and the way people view themselves in the world. They, they have replaced... God with the state. They think that they have a relationship with government that is more important and powerful in their lives than anything else. And they need to they need to feel they need the belief that government is there for them, takes care of them, is their friend. Government is not your friend. You know that I know that a lot of people don't believe it. A lot of people think that government is there to keep you safe and warm at night. Uh, But the whole premise here that this was necessary, this deployment at Capitol Hill was necessary because of the imminent threat of another coup. Uh, no, I certainly don't think that anybody, including some of the, the dumbest and, and worst, uh, you know, worst judgment right wingers who were involved in this. I, I don't think anybody would see what has happened since then and think that this was anything other than a catastrophe. Politically, a catastrophe. It wasn't a violent coup that was going to overthrow the government. That's crazy. But this was used to and continues to be used to bludgeon anyone on the right into silence, undermine them, cancel them, marginalize them. It's exactly what I said from the day of. It was nothing but downside, stupidity and loss. It was a terrible idea. And it's because of exactly this, what we see going on. One, we don't do that. We don't break the law. We don't engage in in that kind of barbaric stupidity. We leave that to the left. That was the left thing. Not anymore. Now, for years, they're going to keep saying, oh, remember January 6th? Remember January 6th? You can say, well, Buck, I know that that's not fair. Yeah, you and I may know it. What about the two to three percent of persuadable voters who will determine the fate of the future of this country? Do you think they know it? What are we really talking about here? Who are we? We're, we're fighting. We're mobilizing politically to get pretty small percentages to go from one side to the other or to show up who weren't going to show up. You know, this, we're not we're not talking about getting 80 percent of Americans to all of a sudden agree. There's a there's a big chunk. I mean, remember when Mitt Romney years ago when he said about uh, the makers and the takers. I mean, there's a big chunk of the left of the Democrat Party. It doesn't matter what happens. They'll never come over with us. They'll, they'll never come over into the the light of sanity, righteousness, and constitutional government. They don't care. There's nothing you can do. You will never change their minds. You and I, you know that. But if we're going to win that center slice, we can't make unforced errors, politically enormous unforced errors like having anyone even vaguely associated with Donald Trump or MAGA or America first doing this uh, stupid stuff at Capitol Hill on January 6th that they did. You just you can't have it. And I understand people were very disappointed about the election. I understand there was a feeling of um, of it being of it being stolen. A lot of folks say, you know, you can't even say that on social media if you say that Democrats say that every election is stolen, that they lose. But that's fine. You know, Stacey Abrams goes around as the fake governor of Georgia. No big deal. But here we are uh, still in a place where we can't even say what we think about the last election. And it makes it worse when anyone plays into it by breaking the law and doing some of the things that we saw that happened. So it was, it was very frustrating and it allows them to now just dismiss realistic efforts to get to the truth. I mean, there's the Arizona election audit that Democrats keep freaking out about. Here's the Arizona secretary of state talking about this place 16.
3: Well, in any type of audit, I you know, you should be able to replicate your findings and the procedures that they're utilizing or lack of procedures, I should say, really are, are making it impossible to do so. Uh, you're not going to be able to replicate whatever findings they come up with. And and at the end of the day, this is really an exercise to continue the big lie, as has been said, and and to continue to undermine people's confidence in our elections. And and I fear laying the groundwork for in 2024, setting up a situation where uh, the presidential electors are rejected. By a republican majority congress if that's the case and and this is why it's so critical that we put a stop to this now
1: here you have a state official in Arizona, a democrat of course who is telling you that her her worry she's now extrapolating from this is that you know republicans will use this they'll cheat in the next election so democrats can tell their base that republicans will defy the will of the people and cheat as much as they want that's fine Social media, Facebook will blast it out everywhere. The social media censors won't touch it. They love it. They're, They're down with it. They want more of it. All that's really going on here is an election audit. If it's so bad, if, as Katie Hobbs says, if they can't replicate it, if they're not using proper procedure, tell us why. Audits are a part of the election process. In a lot of cases, there are automatic recounts or audits that go on. So saying that this is it, that there's, oh, how dare you ask for an audit? You know, it's, it's like I've said all along. If you throw a challenge flag during a football game, you're not cheating. Those are the rules. And it's because you want to get, you want the referee, so to speak, to get it right. So what's the problem here? It's just they don't, they don't want an audit. Why? If the audit is garbage, if they're not doing it the right way, please. See, I actually want to know what happened. I want to know for real one way or the other what happened in this election in every state, in every place where there's I mean, in Pennsylvania. It is what I told you. Yes, the Democrats changed the rules to favor them. They they broke constitutional order to do it. But no court in America was going to say, well, we're going to toss out all the votes of everybody uh, in, in this area or in this state because of. This change in the rules, people thought those were the rules, and that's how they voted. We're not going to toss out all the votes. I told you that, and it was true. You know, while other people were yelling, "Trust the plan" or whatever, I was saying, "No, that's not happening. This is this is pretty much all over, folks." And that, and I'm talking about two weeks after the election, and yet they won't let us do audits, or they try to undermine audits, and they won't explain why it's a a problem. What's wrong with an audit? Democrats should love it. They should say, "See." What do you want? We got here's all the data. They should make all the data for Arizona as public as they can, show us all the stuff, and let's just have it out. Let's let's really get to the truth. But instead you hear, this is about making sure the big lie is continued and there's a big lie, and the Democrats are good and Trump is bad and audits are bad. Explain why. Show your work, Democrats. That's all I want. Show your work. But they won't. They rely on the propaganda. That that puts a bad taste in my mouth.
6: The rise in hate period has been something that this administration has been focused on uh, from the beginning, whether it's AAPI hate that came from uh, COVID-19 and the dangerous rhetoric that we heard, or whether it's uh, anti-Semitic violence. We're concerned about one, a homegrown violent extremist, and we're worried about the increase in hate. And we've been talking about it for a while. Uh, so we have a Justice Department that one is independent but two, that is focused on uh, the rise in hate crimes. It's important. It's And look, we, we can't address these issues if we have a large portion of the population that refuses to uh, look at facts and call facts uh, as they see them. And so uh, our Justice Department won't do that. Uh, the president won't do that, and the administration won't do that. We're going to try our best to address uh, all hate crimes, uh, as we see uh, them increase in um, drastic numbers. A
1: lot of rhetoric, not a lot of clarity. That is a White House advisor um, who is telling Cedric Richmond, who's telling you that the Biden administration is going to address all the hate crimes. Notice the he worked in there a few things, domestic extremists, which is code word for right wing Trump supporters, right? That's the big The big terrorism concern, they tell us now. Oh, yes, that's the big terrorism concern. And they uh, also refer to AAPI hate and the rhetoric used. And you have to say, you mean by the president, the former President Trump, right? That's that's where we're told all the but by calling it the China virus. That's where all the AAPI uh, Asia Pacific Latin Asia Pacific America, whatever it is. I, I, I always forget the AAPI. Um, acronym sorry the specifics because it's new Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders but why aren't they so here's my problem I've got a problem here why is it a Pacific Islander Americans notice that right we, we I, I've, I've got a problem with this acronym it's Asian Americans fine but then it's just Pacific Islanders but they're are are we talking about because I, I know there are Pacific Islanders who are uh, American, meaning that they're a part of America. But what if, if someone comes from Fiji to the United States, uh, are they a Pacific Islander American? Do you see what I'm saying? So I'm just pointing out this acronym is sloppy. This is a sloppy acronym. It doesn't really doesn't really hold up when you start to think about it. this. is a, And it's a new uh, a new categorization, um, something that the left is using a lot now. Now, I just think that if we're going to work on problems, if we're going to make problems better, right, we're going to find a way to make things better, then isn't it important for all of us, isn't it important for all of us to know what's really happening? Don't you have to have the facts, right? If you have a a flood occurring in your house, it's very hard to deal with it if you don't know where the water is coming from. Okay, so where are we seeing the surge in specifically AAPI uh, AAPI hate crimes? Is it coming from the right, from Trump supporters, from you know the MAGA hat wearer, so to speak? Well, here's just one example or one one data point that would seem to point in the very clear no, that's not what's going on direction. This from the College Fix. California uh, State University San Bernardino's Extremism Research Center, this is at the collegefix.com, published its latest report on hate crimes allegations, but it did not include the race or ethnicity of offenders. However, a researcher on the project said the primary suspected perpetrators in New York are black or Latino quote. The 2020 anti-Asian hate crimes numbers in New York with respect to perpetrators are roughly in line with the overall arrestee suspect ratios for 2020. This is according to Professor Brian Levin, director of the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism. He said the breakdown for crime in the city is about 80 percent. This is all quoted 80 percent black and Latino for all crime and around 90 percent for Hate crime. And that also applies to hate crimes against, uh, against Asian, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, AAPI. The latest report on anti-Asian prejudice and hate crime looked at data for the first three months of 2021. The College Fix writes here, the report found a 223% increase in hate crimes against AAPI in New York City, and a 164% across major cities and one populous county in Texas compared to January through March of 2020. The 42 hate crimes for January through March in New York City accounted for 45% of all hate crimes against Ameri- against Asian Americans in the major cities studied. An Asian is the only one charged with hate crime against Asians. Wow. The only a- anti-Asian hate crime charged in New York City that I'm aware of was an Asian on Asian hate crime that revolved around a dispute about communism levin told the fix we always try to get the most complete data sets on these variables levin said the college fix asked levin why the report did not include the rates of the alleged perpetrators he said the researchers generally don't publish data sets for our national report unless we can replicate it and the nypd doesn't provide detailed information so why can't we know all of this why isn't this all out there I mean, this is going this is now academic research of publicly available data. We have a Biden White House that's saying we need to address hate crimes and then starts starts uh, going into immediately you know, r- rhetoric. Um, and and the that's supposed to indicate, of course, the Trump rhetoric about the China virus. And uh, and remember they said that the China virus was something that that in itself to, to use that term was supposed to be banned, even though the president of the United States was saying it. And then they also uh, noted the domestic extremism uh, are, are the 90 percent of hate crime attacks against Asian Americans in New York City, for example, are, are those domestic extremists? I don't think so. I mean, I don't well, what kind of domestic extremists are the overwhelmingly black and Latino attackers, hate crime attackers of Asian Americans in New York City. What what political extremism do they represent? I just I would like the left to explain that. I'd like anyone to explain that, but there's only some data you see that is real data. There's other data that has to be hidden from you. You're not allowed to talk about. You're not allowed to think about because it does not support the narrative. And the narrative is about shaping perception and getting you to react and behave in certain ways. It is not about making sure you know the truth or about solving actual problems like stopping hate against the Asian American community.
7: The House is is passing legislation, the House is holding the hearings. The Senate is finally holding hearings. Thank you, Senator Blumenthal. But no, we need to do more. It's not enough. I, I, I demand the Senate at this point break the filibuster on this issue because if they don't every single day, every weekend, this is going to be normal. And and I I again say it the Republican Party has said we will not engage in anything to govern we are all now sadly about Martin Taylor Green they will not govern so it is time for the Democrats to do this alone and so for those in the Senate who think you know should we or shouldn't we break the filibuster do it
1: here you got an anti gun activist making the the laziest. The intellectually most dishonest argument out there about about governance now, which is that because Republicans won't do what left wing activists want them to do on gun control on any number of issues, they don't they don't want to govern. Oh, they they have no plans. They don't want to do anything because they won't do what we say. They won't do anything. That's 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 such a a, a farce. But yet yeah, this is it works with some people, I guess. I don't know. They'll say it anyway. Uh, the gun gun control is not why we've had or the lack of gun control is not. We have a ton of gun control in this country. Already. We have a lot of gun laws all over the place. Lots of penalties for, for having guns illegally, selling them illegally. We have lots of gun control over the country. And yet you have violence spiking. Why? Violence is spiking in America, has been for a, a year now. And that means thousands more people are dead than would be in, in what we would expect in recent years in this country based on the homicide rate. Violence is spiking because left wing activists and overwhelmingly uh, white liberals decided that the BLM movement was sacrosanct and it was time to mobilize behind it and undermine cops and act like cops are the problem. And we are now dealing with as a society because of their sanctimonious, self-righteous bullcrap we are now dealing with a, a decades in the making uh, rise in crime, murders, rapes, assaults. And it's because left wing activists want to feel good about themselves and Democrats want to get elected to office. And the truth and the suffering that comes from all this doesn't matter. There are a lot of VPN providers out there. You've probably heard of a couple of them and some of them you may have uh, even used before. But I like to do research on my sponsors, and I only recommend brands to my listeners that I truly believe in and use myself. I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best virtual private network on the market. ExpressVPN doesn't log your data, okay? Unlike a lot of the other guys out there, there are lots of really cheap or free VPNs that make money by selling your data to ad companies. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info. Second, speed. I've tried lots of VPNs, many slow down your connection or make your device sluggish, and I've been using ExpressVPN for months, and my internet speeds are blazing fast. No slowdowns noticeable. Even when I connect to servers thousands of miles away, I can still stream HD quality videos with zero lag. The last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs is how easy it is to use. Unlike those other VPNs, you don't have to input or program anything. You just fire up the app, click one button to connect. It's so easy. Anybody in your family, grandparents, anybody can use it. Protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use my link expressvpn.com buck today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash buck Visit expressvpn.com buck to learn more. The lab leak theory of COVID-19 gaining steam. That is happening right now. More globally recognized experts and even the Fouch starting to say we need to think about this long and hard. We got Jack Posobiec with us now. He often thinks about what's going on with the CCP, the Communist Party of China, all things over in that part of the world jack is a fluent mandarin speaker and he is with us now from one America news jack great to have you that's what i like how's it going
0: Buck? Glad that, to be here.
1: that's what the folks like to hear so tell me this man um the, the lab leak theory now it seems at least jack we're allowed to talk about this but but tell the folks what what has gone on here i mean take us from from the the early days of how dare you say this didn't come from zoonotic transmission to where we are now?
0: Well, it's really amazing. And to see the mainstream media and many in the mainstream media jumping through hoops, going through the usual mental gymnastics that we see when they get something wrong. However, you got to give them at least a modicum of credit, because unlike, you know, say, Russia Russiagate, or some of the other hoaxes that they've been involved in. This one, they actually seem to be publishing the mea culpas, going through the motions of actually apologizing, necessarily retracting, I, although PolitiFact, I should say, uh, did actually do a major retraction on, on their reporting. Uh, or I should say, not their reporting, but their fact-checking, because, of course, PolitiFact is an independent arbiter of truth. That's all they are. So they're n- they've now gone from conservative media and president trump who from the very start were saying we need to look at this lab we need to find out what was going on in there president trump comes out april of 2020 and says he saw evidence or at least intelligence of you know potential information that this could have come from the lab now fast forward to today the fact that trump is out of office has really changed everything the table has been reset And many people are having to eat a big plate of crow. Now, I'm not going to make a crow soup joke, but uh, because I'm not that kind of guy. But they are pointing out that, yes, not only is there intel that this came out, there's even intel, and this is where the Wall Street Journal is putting it out, that uh, came out earlier this year in the tail end of the Trump administration. Pompeo put out some of this. Now the Wall Street Journal is providing more detail that there were actually researchers in the Wuhan Institute of Virology in November of 2019 who were so sick, they came down with a respiratory illness and had to be hospitalized en masse, so all of them at once had to be hospitalized because of a rare respiratory illness. They came down with just one month before the publicly acknowledged first COVID, uh, you know, patients started hitting the Wuhan hospital system.
1: Jack, What do you think we need to look into here to find out now? Because I'm hearing things like uh, Scott Gottlieb, who, you know, this guy one week, he's a catastrophist. The next week he's, oh, maybe we're going to be okay. I mean, this guy changes all the time. But as the former FDA chairman, he gets a lot of TV time. He's now saying we may never find out what happened here, which is interesting considering how early on we are in this process. What do we need to look at? How, How do we get answers here Given that we're dealing with a country that has really uh, expanded upon and, and masterminded a true surveillance and uh, and totalitarian state in a, in a way that is it's hard to get any uh, accurate information out of.
0: Well, look, this really has to come back to a situation where, and to use uh, Secretary of State Lincoln's formulation. If China wants to be a member of what he calls the rules-based international order, then they need to come clean. They deleted their database in fall of 2019, took it down from the internet as to what research they were actually working on at that time during that time period. They need to put forward all of the files, all of the data. There needs to be an international, independent investigation into what exactly was going on, had going on there. Right. None of this WHO stuff, the WHO stuff, which, by the way, is headed by Peter Doshak. Peter Doshak, he's not only involved with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, he's actually the guy who approved the funding of these experiments into bat coronavirus research, which, of course, Rand Paul has discussed as considered gain of function research. That's when you're essentially speeding up the evolution of various pathogens. Uh, To see if it can make them uh, hardier, if it can sort of make them stronger, and whether or not they could become more infectious to humans, they use humanized mice for this. So Peter Daszak's the guy who's involved in all that, and he's the one who headed the WHO's supposed investigation of this Wuhan zoonology of the Wuhan lab. No, I don't think so. International community needs to go in there and say we are going to look at the books. We are going to see what's going on here. We're going to have a serious investigation. Or China has to be kicked out. China has to face penalties, whether that's tariffs, whether that's um, being kicked out of international organizations like the UN or the WTO, uh, kicked out of the foreign direct investment uh, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the agreements that they have regarding that. All of these need to be looked at because China has shown themselves to be a bad actor. They cannot be trusted to do this themselves. They cannot be trusted to come to tell us the truth. And we need to know what was going on in that lab. If, if not necessarily even just to uh, find the origins of this, because we need to find out what else they were doing in there and what else potentially could have leaked out from that lab. We don't even know.
1: So there's the possibility that this could in some ways be an, an ongoing problem. I mean, the the fact that this, if this kind of research is being done there and if China thinks that they can uh, cover it up and get away with it, I mean, it, you know, people, obviously, Jack, it starts to feel like a, Tom Clancy uh, a plot or something. But when you're looking at a country like China that is manipulating viruses to to add this, is what gain of function research is to add characteristics to them, including greater transmissibility, greater lethality, things like that coming into the equation. You can understand why people are, are deeply concerned about this. I mean, I, I try to remind everybody China is a country that killed tens of millions of its own people through Mao's government policy of the Great Leap Forward and doesn't talk about it to this day.
0: That's exactly right. I mean, not only that, they launched the Chinese Cultural Revolution at, when in the aftermath of the Great Leap Forward, Chairman Mao felt that his, his authority, that his position was within the party, within the country, was was vulnerable. He then went to the, the youth and organized mass protests, mass riots, mass attacks, denunciation of teachers, of parents, of anyone in society they considered to be counter-revolutionary or what they actually used to call it? What they actually used to call them uh, in the Chinese? Um, they would say "zuo um, fen uh, uh, <laughs> uh, which means, of course, right-wing extremists. Right? Where have we seen this before? So this is this is China. This is the CCP. Right? We need to understand what was going on in this lab because it's like Tom Clancy meets Mr. Bean because they were conducting. These experiments were told, and this came out in a uh, former New York Times science writer's piece, which went completely viral, right, no pun intended, on the Internet regarding the origins of this thing. That We were told, remember, again and again, that this is a BSL level four facility. It's a level four facility, right, level four facility. He said that over and over and over. But here's the problem, and and this comes out in uh, Nicholas Waite's piece there, that they were conducting the experiments, according to him, at level two. Security. So level two. So bio biosafety level two sounds still sounds pretty good, right? Here's the thing: biosafety level two. That's basically the same level you get at your doc at your dentist office when you go in for some dental work. Okay, is it safe? Yeah, sure. It's clean. It's hygienic, I guess. But does it really seem like it's enough to prevent the spread of viruses from leaking out? Yeah, I love my dentist, but I don't think
1: so. Yeah, safe. it's double ma- it's double mask safe maybe, but it's not what yeah, it needs to be, safe. which is people in the spacesuits acting like they've got highly dangerous pathogens that could uh, that that are submicroscopic that are aerosolized to contend with right so uh, that that's a, another very important point i mean jack you know wall street journal today yeah, has
0: I want this the bt guys in there
1: yeah uh, today uh, jack we've got this for the wall street journal um in den denao shan china on the outskirts of a village deep in the mountains of southwest china a lone surveillance camera peers down toward a disused copper mine smothered in dense bamboo as night approaches, bats swoop overhead. This is the subterranean home of the closest known virus on Earth to the one that causes COVID-19. It is also now a touchpoint for escalating calls for a more thorough probe into whether the pandemic could have stemmed from a Chinese laboratory. In April 2012, six miners here fell sick with a mysterious illness after entering the mine to clear bat guano. Three of them died. Chinese scientists from the Wuhan Institute of Virology were called in to investigate and after taking samples from bats in the mine, identified several new coronaviruses. So, Jack, that, that happened. They're, they're right, telling us here... Go go ahead. I think you see where I'm going. I mean, they're telling us this happened back in 2012.
0: Right, so here's the thing, right? Think of the geography, right? And, and for those who don't know, this, this cave is quite far from Wuhan. It's, it's quite far. But look at what happened there, right? So the Tom Clancy novel, or maybe even a Michael Crichton novel, would start with... The miners get sick and then the scientists get called in to see what's going on, right? Well, here's the problem. This time around, in the fall of 2019, we don't have miners getting sick. We don't have local villagers or or townsfolk getting sick around this mine like you would think would happen if this were naturally occurring in the population or in the wild, right? That's what it would look like. Then they would go out from that location, go to the next town, that province, etc., right? But that's not what we have here. Here, we have a breakout in Wuhan. So how does a sick bat, and this is what Nick Wade does in the the article, how does a sick bat get from the cave all the way to Wuhan? Well, who was doing the most travel between Wuhan and this cave? Of course, it was researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology.
1: Seems to be quite a coincidence there, Jack. Do you believe, and we're speaking to Jack Posobiec of One American News, also a former intelligence officer and expert in uh, in all things China. Uh, Jack, do you think that we're going to get answers here? Because I, I, I see a willingness now to at least allow the discussion in, in some of the, the corporate media from this. But I, I can't help but remember when, because Trump said it came from China and from a lab, we were all told, well, that can't be true. And so now it's politicized in a way where it feels like the truth is not really the ultimate goal for a lot of folks for whom it should be.
0: And not only were we really not allowed to talk about the origins, we weren't even allowed to call it the Wuhan coronavirus. Even that's what every mainstream media publication called it in the early days. I mean, like you can go back to uh, CBS and CNN. They're all using it. It's a Wuhan coronavirus. And then, we're, and then Biden comes out after the travel ban and, and it says, oh, that's, that's xenophobic and we don't need that right now. So suddenly it became wrong to say this. But honestly, Buck, I've got to tell you, I don't see the type of metal i don't see the type of steel that it would require from the biden administration the type of strength it would require for them to actually get answers to peel answers out of the totalitarian state of the ccp-controlled china at this time the people's republic it this would require them to admit fault to admit fault not only to their own citizens, but in front of the rest of Asia and the rest of the world where they're trying to spread their tendrils through the One Belt, One Road initiative right now. And this is definitely not something that they're going to want to admit or, or ever admit to. So even if we put pressure on them diplomatically, if we put you know issue statements, if Tony you know Blinken and Joe Biden want to fire tweets off, that's one thing. But I highly doubt that unless you use, as I discussed earlier, those economic levers, because the key that picks the lock of China is economic leverage. That's what they want. They want the US market as their main consumer base, right? This is why I'm not one of those people who thinks that, you know, war is inevitable between the US and China because of this economic relationship. China relies on US consumption, right? Big screen Chinese TVs and everything. That's what they want us for. So they want to keep us docile, they want to keep us quiet and buying their goods while they become the producer country. Now, that is America's key leverage. And so if Biden Lincoln and the rest of them can understand that, then maybe we can get some modicum of, of information. And we have seen and I will give Biden credit that he is continuing some of the tariffs, right? I think you should even look at the tariffs as a carbon tax, right? The climate change guy, Well these are the guys doing the pollution, they'll so just call it a climate, you know, call it a climate tax, whatever. Uh, this is the type of stuff they need to start looking at if we're ever going to get answers as to where this thing started. Because remember, this thing's still out there. It's still killing people. It's still mutating. It's killing people in India uh, by the thousands. It's starting to kick off in Japan again, right? Remember, we were told Japan was one of the great countries. Now they're having a problem. We need to know what is in the nuts and bolts of this thing so that we can stop it.
1: Jack Persobik, everybody, One America News Network. Jack, always appreciate it, my friend. Talk to you soon.
7: Thanks so much, Buck. The House is, is passing legislation, the House is holding the hearings. The Senate is finally holding hearings. Thank you, Senator Blumenthal. But no, we need to do more. It's not enough. I, I, I demand the Senate at this point, break the filibuster on this issue. Because if they don't every single day, every weekend, this is going to be normal. And, and I, I again say it, the Republican Party has said we will not engage in anything to govern. We are all now, sadly, about Martin Taylor Green They will not govern. So it is time for the Democrats to do this alone. And so for those in the Senate who think, you know, should we or shouldn't we break the filibuster? Do it.
1: Here you got an anti-gun activist making the, the laziest the intellectually most dishonest argument out there about about governance now, which is that because Republicans won't do what left-wing activists want them to do on gun control on any number of issues, they don't they don't want to govern. Oh, they they have no plans. They don't want to do anything because they won't do what we say. They won't do anything. That's 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 such a a, a farce. But yeah, this is it works with some people, I guess. I don't know. They'll say it anyway. Uh, the gun gun control is not why we've had or the lack of gun control is not. We have a ton of gun control in this country. Already. We have a lot of gun laws all over the place. Lots of penalties for, for having guns illegally, selling them illegally. We have lots of gun control over the country. And yet you have violence spiking. Why? Violence is spiking in America, has been for a, a year now and that means thousands more people are dead than would be in in what we would expect in recent years in this country based on the homicide rate. Violence is spiking because left-wing activists and overwhelmingly uh, white liberals decided that the BLM movement was sacrosanct and it was time to mobilize behind it and undermine cops and act like cops are the problem. And we are now dealing with a society because of their sanctimonious, self-righteous bullcrap we are now dealing with a, a decades in the making uh, rise in crime, murders, rapes, assaults. And it's because left wing activists want to feel good about themselves and Democrats want to get elected to office and the truth and the suffering that comes from all this doesn't matter. President Biden again said that this week when he said until the region says unequivocally they acknowledge the right of Israel to exist, As an independent Jewish state, there will be no peace. How do you have an even handed
2: approach to terrorists who want to destroy Israel? Well, what you have got to do is also understand that over the years, the Netanyahu government has become extremely right wing and that there are people in the Israeli government now who are overt racists. You have in West uh, Jerusalem people being evicted from their homes. Tremendous pressure on people within Israel the arab community as well as gaza so you have a very difficult situation you have hamas a terrorist group you have a right-wing israeli government and the situation is getting worse and all that i'm saying is that the united states of america has got to be leading the world in bringing people together not simply supplying weapons to kill children in gaza this last series of attacks killed 64 children and destroyed a large part of the infrastructure of Gaza in a community that has already been one of the most uninhabitable territories in the world
1: how is it that we have an even-handed approach to terrorists who want to destroy Israel well what does that mean democrats use this rhetoric they 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 pose these kinds of of uh, of issues and we never seem to get really clear answers. Our friend David Harsanyi is with us now from NationalReview.com. He's a senior writer there to talk about anti-Semitism, both in the foreign policy context and then what's going on here at home with some of the attacks on Jewish Americans. David, great to have you.
5: Always a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Um, I, I think that's a very fair and important question. Uh, how, how do I mean, this is this is now even a member of the of the corporate Journal Media asking, how do you have an even handed approach when you're dealing with Hamas? What does that even mean?
5: Right. I mean, first it was, you know, they conflate Palestinians. So you don't know what you're talking about. We're talking about Palestinian Authority, Hamas, um, you know, just Palestinian people don't have any power, you know, in in their societies. Um, the, The idea that we should be even handed with Hamas, of course, is morally repugnant because it's a terrorist organization that exists to kill Jews. But more than that, I just don't even think that Bernie Sanders hasn't even an even approach. I think he's basically been pro Hamas so far. Um, It's the same case can be made for a bunch of progressives in Congress, including Ilhan Omar and others. So um, I wish he was more even handed because at this point, I just think he's pro pro Hamas.
1: Now, now, Bernie Sanders, this is this is a particularly interesting one because you've got a guy who is a essentially a, a Jewish guy from Brooklyn. I mean, Bernie, we think of him as Vermont, but he's a Jewish guy from Brooklyn, New York, who is taking this very pro-Hamas, critical of Israel policy. What can, make sense? Why is that? Happen? How is that the situation of, of, of Bernie Sanders? Why does he think that way?
5: Well, first of all, you know, just because you're born Jewish doesn't really mean much. I mean, Trotsky was Jewish, too. You know, um, when you become a leftist. That is your new identity. That is your new religion. He, and, and obviously to be Jewish is a little different than being Catholic. It's a cultural element to it as well. But Bernie doesn't care about that either. He's a leftist. Um, for him, there's a hierarchy of victimhood and on, on the bottom will be Jews at this point, And on the top or near the top will be the Palestinian people. Now I think that he is perpetuating their, their suffering because Hamas, creates these situations where Israelis have to retaliate and their society is is in rubble. But in his worldview, in the revolutionary worldview, in the, I don't know if I could call him a communist, but he's pretty close in many ways, you know, um, Israel is a colonial power. It's a capitalist country and and these are victims. And he sees everything in black and white. So it's not very surprising. Just because he's Jewish doesn't mean anything. There are many, um, many self-hating Jews out
1: there. Washington Post had this piece who's protecting us, who's out protecting a spate of anti-Jewish attacks in the U.S. draws calls for more forceful response. It, it is I think it's 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 pretty remarkable, David, you know, to sit here and, and think about how there are Jewish Americans who are being attacked by mobs. It happened a few blocks from where I'm speaking to you right now in Times Square in New York recently. It's happened in other places across the country. They are being attacked here for what by pro-Palestinian activists, whatever, whatever. I don't even know what I think that's the broadest term we can use to to encompass the the most people that, that are involved in this stuff. They're being attacked by these people for what the Israeli government is doing in response to rocket attacks by a terrorist organization many thousands of miles away. What what's that all about?
5: that's about, is that there's really no um, difference, in my view, between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. Now, that's not to say you can't be critical of what Israel does. Maybe they shouldn't be, you know, doing what they're doing, whatever. That's an argument to be had. But the the folks that we're talking about are anti the existence of a Jewish state. They're against the ability of Jews uh, to protect themselves, which is what they're doing. And they want to destroy Uh, the Jewish state. So to me, those people are anti-Semites and they they act accordingly here. And this is nothing new in Europe, happens all the time. Zionism is just code word for Jews and then Judaism. And that's why they go after people in Times Square who are wearing yarmulkes. You know, it's not um, we don't even know if that person's pro-Israel. There are actually religious people who aren't pro-Israel. So um, there is clearly no real distinction between those two things.
1: We're speaking to David Harsani, senior writer at National Review. Go to nationalreview.com for his latest. David, how, how do you think the Biden administration has responded to this situation? And not on the foreign policy side, on, on the anti-Semitism side. Um, there's there always seems to be this, yeah, yeah, okay. We don't we don't agree with what Rashida Tlaib and AOC and and that wing of the Democrat Congress seems to say. But they're also they don't come down on them very hard either.
5: I mean, I don't think they've come down on them at all. I mean, uh, you know, many of the I see. I think I think Biden did had some kind of statement. But um, most of the statements I see from Democrats, including Bernie and all the progressives, says something like, um, you know, we we condemn this anti-Semitism and Islamophobia as if that's both just happening right now in the United States. Um, They did this same thing when it was a resolution a few years ago with Ilhan Omar, um, after she was saying all kinds of Jubeidi things like, you know, all they care about is the Benjamins or whatever it was. Um, And then they kind of diluted the whole thing with a million, you know, Islamophobia, this phobia, transphobia, whatever it is. Um, It's basically all lives matter. You're not allowed to say that, but apparently you can when it when it when it's Jews who are involved.
1: Oh, no, they absolutely are doing what you're saying. I've seen this now. And and this is with with Asian, and Asian, uh, Asian American and Pacific Islanders, the AAPI community suffering from a, an increase in hate crime attacks, it always turns into, yes, we condemn those attacks and all hate crime attacks, yada, 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 Donald Trump, January 6th. That, that, that somehow is how this goes, even though in the context of, of AAPI hate crime attacks, it is overwhelming, the data shows, that it, it is this is not happening because of, you know, white nationalist Trump supporters. And in places like New York City, it's over 90 percent non-white attackers of Asian Americans. Uh, it, it feels like there's always this effort to, as you put it, as you say, dilute what's really going on to serve the overall narrative of the left. And, you know, the, to talk about Islamophobia right now, where there, where is there Islamophobia happening because of what's going on in Israel, Palis, uh, Israel and the Palestinians?
5: I mean, if this were, you know, if this were situation were reversed, the whole country would be in meltdown right now. We'd be having a national conversation about Islamophobia, etc. You're right about the Asian, uh, you know, the Asian attacks as well. The same sort of thing happened. Listen, I I don't want to break the news to anyone, but Jewish people, Jewish community, does not live in places where white nationalists are typically going to, you know, engage in anti-Semitic acts, no matter what they say or not, that's not to say it doesn't happen in Pittsburgh. There was that horrific incident and it does happen, but most anti-Semitic acts are, are, are you know, are happening on college campuses or in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and other places where Jews live
1: and have to live with and, other. And in, in the Brooklyn context, it is often racial minorities who are conducting those attacks against People wearing yarmulkes—that is—I'm living here in New York. That is reality.
5: Right. I think we both grew up in New York, right? So we know that this is not a new thing. It's been going on a long time. I mean, if people you know a little older remember Al Sharpton and what what happened, um, that happens when you have communities bump up against each other in that way and live, have to live together. But it's been going on a long time. I mean, maybe you know there are a lot of reasons for it, but it is what it is. And then when you have more and more uh, you know Muslim Americans, and that's going to happen as well. So. Um, but yet, if it again, if it if it was in any other context, if some if white nationalists were going around spitting in people's food and targeting Jews, we would be having a gigantic national conversation about it. But this is not politically useful for them, so we don't.
1: So it's essentially we're speaking to David Harsanyi from NationalReview.com. He's a senior writer there. Uh, David, it seems like this is essentially you, you mentioned the hierarchy of victimhood because Palestinians are. Uh, are considered brown I mean actually a lot of Palestinians you know you, you I've, I've met Palestinians with with you know red hair and blue eyes but anyway they'll, they'll say because Palestinians are are quote brown um, and and are ethnic minorities and are Muslims although not all there are Christian Palestinians too but people don't tend to know that uh, but because of that perception they are in an elevated place in the victimology hierarchy of the left and that's why you have people in this country. I mean, Israel, Gaza, this is very far away from people in this country being attacked while they're trying to have dinner or walk down the street because they're wearing a yarmulke.
5: Well, and also, you know, thanks for bringing that up about, you know, color. It, I, people, I guess that they just don't know, maybe, or they just don't care. But the but there were, in fact, many Christian Palestinians who were driven out of that area by Muslims. People don't like to talk about that either. But hundreds and thousands of Jews in 1948, when Israel was formed, were kicked out of Islamic countries and Arab countries around the world. A huge part of Israel's population does not come from the West. They're not colonizers. They don't come from Europe. They come from Arab countries. They they look just like, and it's ridiculous to judge people like this, but they look just like a Palestinian would look. They're brown-skinned
1: people. Yeah, Iraqi Jews. They're Ethiopian Jews. They're Iranian Jews.
5: This is not a racial thing. They just progressives want to transpose their simplistic worldview on everything. And it's just simply not the case there. And, uh, you know, so so we have to have the same dumb argument about something that's much more. I wouldn't say it's much more complex, but it's a different situation with different factors fueling it, including religious factors and, you know, you know, Hamas is a theocratic organization, but they don't want to talk about that. They want to make everything, uh, you know, Ferguson. And it's just simply not the case.
1: I mean, I've been amazed, honestly, David, that they there are explicit for members of Congress and people, of the media, Gaza is Ferguson. They'll, they say this, actually. I mean, this is I'm, this isn't just a comparison you and I are coming up with based on, you know, the left wing ideology. They explicitly connect these things. And to me, that's but this is just crazy at some point.
5: It's preposterous. And then you have organ like New Yorker writers or the New Yorker writer union saying using genocidal terms, like from the river to the sea, that's about pushing all the Jews into the sea and they use it. Maybe they don't fully understand it or whatever. I mean, to give them the benefit of the doubt, though, I don't know why I am. Um, those are terms that if someone used against another people, it would be nuts. i just read a New York Times story today where they blame Jews for sparking violence within Israel, not in an occupied, supposedly occupied territory, but within Israel, they blame Jews for moving into towns that have lots of Arab people, as if they, you know, in essence, they're making ethnic, you know, not ethnic cleansing, but they want Jewish free places within the Jewish state. So I I just don't even know how to explain that. This gins up anger as well. They blame Jews for starting violence simply by living in a town. Shouldn't Arabs and Jews be able to live together? I think they should be.
2: David
1: Harsanyi, nationalreview.com for his latest. He'll be writing on this issue this week. Have a column up soon. David, always appreciate your perspective. Thanks so much.
8: Thanks for having me. Anyone who's been alive for the last five years has learned that it's called a progressive movement. And as as I always say, it's got progress in movement right in the title. So there is no signs of slowing down or pumping the brakes. And as we've seen, it just goes from one thing to the next. Yep. Stuff. That they're pitching today would have sounded bizarre and like science fiction and Orwellian three years ago. Yep. And they're pitching the same stuff with a straight face now. Like I live... In Los Angeles, California, California is trying to do some curriculum with the schools where they're going to eliminate AP math up until the 11th grade to sort of level the playing field. I mean, stuff they're calling math racist. Right. So stuff like that, which would have sounded patently insane a few years ago, has now become a conversation.
1: They uh, Adam Carolla. Getting it right. He sees it. Cancel culture completely out of control and it has real effects, not just for the people that are the targets of it, obviously for them, it's particularly awful, but it goes beyond that. It has effects against those people uh, who just want to be able to enjoy their lives, who want to enjoy a, a comedy show, who want better entertainment on TV, who want to feel free to express their thoughts among friends. You know, cancel culture is very much what you had in, uh, you know, in, in a very different way, but you've had in totalitarian states in the past where people were afraid to say things, even in even in in private settings for fear of being ostracized, attack, attacked and and perhaps suffering very real consequences. Now, I know in the Soviet Union, cancel culture meant you were, you know, eliminated in a in a prison cell and no one ever heard from you again. I know that's not happening here. I'm not saying these are the same, but. You get eliminated from your job very quickly here for, for very little. They'll, they'll push you aside for any number of minor infractions. And uh, that's why, I mean, even, even someone like Chris Rock uh, is, is saying that cancel culture creates unfunny and boring comedy. That was just a couple of days ago. Chris Rock and Buck Sexton agree on this. Doesn't that doesn't that indicate that there's probably something bigger going on here? Chris Rock and Buck Sexton agree that cancel culture creates unfunny and boring comedy. And really what we mean by this is or what I mean by this is comedians stink now. They're not funny. There are exceptions. But most comedians are bad because they're cowards, because they're they're conformists. They go along with the dominant consensus They they it's easy for them and they don't want to get in trouble. They don't want to get fired. They don't want any problems. And so this is what we deal with. This is what we see happening. And it's just outrageous. It's just wrong. It's wrong what's going on in this country. It needs to be stopped. And I know people say, oh, look at this, uh, you know, Chrissy Teigen, who I, I don't know her. But, you know, there's John Legend, Chrissy Teigen. The left loves these these two. They're, I see what they write on Twitter. They're both morons. And, you know, now she's in all this trouble and losing deals because she bullied somebody into, into she tried to bully somebody to committing suicide years ago. It was a horrible thing to do. I mean, a truly horrible thing to do. But it's not like this. The left, left, learns, uh, left learns no lessons from this because this is part of the price of wokeness. You have to sometimes feed your own into the machinery of destruction because that's how dedicated you are that's how you show that your own side can even suffer from this that's your that's the real purity test no one is safe from it and that gets even greater compliance from everyone else because now oh my gosh if no one's safe I better really do everything I can to to at least up my chances of being safe but Corolla's right anyone else who points this out is right the cancel culture is is a cancer in our society, and we all have to keep fighting against it. What the heck is going on with the markets, with uh, everything we see in the economy now, inflation, crypto? Let's bring in our friend Dutch from Carnivore Trading. You all know Carnivore Trading is a sponsor here on the show. I'm using it every day, but Dutch and his team of experts have a lot of insight on what's happening with the economy and with markets right now. So Dutch, great to have you.
9: Good to be here, Buck. Thank you.
1: What's going on, man? It feels like no one knows where things are heading right now. It feels like the Biden administration's making things slower and worse than they need to be, but there still should be some big boom here in the re after the reopen, as the reopen happens. What are you seeing?
9: We we see the reopening as being very real. I mean, we've never seen in our lifetimes a confluence of events like zero interest rates the level of stimulus that's going out into the system and the pent-up demand that has built up as a result of this sort of supply shock and the, and the shut-ins that we've had and the shutdowns that we've had across, uh, across the world. So the, the, the reopening trade is very real. What we're seeing right now is some of those reopening trades have come up and, and are pausing a little bit right now. And technology, which had been completely blasted and destroyed, is now making a new run, especially some of the larger tech companies like the NVIDIAs and the Apples and the Adobes and people like that.
1: Now, inflation is something that everyone listening to this is concerned about. Uh, we, we're seeing reporting that you know meat, poultry, that some of the staples that people uh, rely on or Going up in price a lot. Lumber prices have gotten a lot of attention. Up, I think, over three hundred percent from from what they were about what a year ago. So, Dutch, I mean, right. how, how does that factor into all this?
9: Right. So, what we're seeing is uh, from an inflation standpoint, the commodities have all jumped. Lumber's gone through the roof. We're finding uh, home builders that are also carnivores that trade with us. They feed us information, which is one of the magic things about carnivores. is. We get information from all of the carnivore members, and uh, the home builders are telling us they can't get cement, they can't get lumber, and when they can find it, it's really
6: expensive.
1: So, what does that mean for folks who are looking to either, you know, get? I mean, if, if they're looking to sort of get in and and start right now, making smart decisions from now till the end of the year with where they're putting their money? I mean, should are, are commodities a place where people should be looking to? to to go in heavier what do you see as as the some of the big growth sectors right now
9: so right now this minute we feel like the commodity play has kind of played out we think that some of the supply chain issues that have uh that have been affecting us i mean we we got into the marine shipping business and the containers because everybody wanted everything right now we did that a few months ago The marine shipping businesses have all kind of uh, been producing fantastic earnings. We think there's a little more to run with the marine shipping companies, but the commodities themselves, we think, over the next six months or so will probably work themselves out in the supply chain. So what we're really doing now is reallocating into technology stocks that have been just blasted and beaten up and are now, you know, bursting back onto the scene. And the reality is that if technology, those stocks, those companies make all the money. They make all the money. And if if they can't rally, then the market as a whole probably can't rally. So they're rallying now and they're coming back. How far that's going to go, it's hard for us to tell.
1: We're speaking to Dutch of Carnivore Trading. Great sponsor here on the show. And as you all know, I'm using Carnivore now every day to help guide some of my trading. So I wanted to let you all hear from Dutch himself and get a sense of where he thinks this economy's going, where the markets are heading. And and Dutch, to, to that end, uh, do you, what it, what would be the the triggers that you're looking for if there was going to be a, a real correction um, with the uh, attended issues of a downturn in employment and just, you know, an overall stalling out in the economy? in the let's say the next six to 12 months be largely driven by government policy right now which with the Biden administration is a constant concern for me what are what are some of those indicators that you would just be on the the lookout for I mean for folks who who are bearish in in one way or another about how this is going to go what what do you say to that uh
9: we want we're very bullish on the market as a whole um and and uh I think that what we're looking for and what we think will happen here is there's going to be some indigestion, I guess, Uh, the Biden administration and what they're doing. They're not going to see a lot more wind in their sails from what Trump did. They have benefited up until this point from what Trump did uh, in terms of the economics and and the economy. Uh, but now that's over with and they're kind of having to stand on their own two feet and they're trying to find their way. I think the jobs market is still very problematic uh, if they don't stop putting money out into the system, into people's hands. Uh, I know the steel workers in Michigan, half of them have not come back to work. I know that restaurant owners are actually paying cash off the books. To people just to get bodies in to handle the volume. So I think we need to see some of the things that you're seeing about certain states like Florida and others that are saying, hey, everyone's got to get back to work. We're not going to participate in the federal, you know, uh, uh, government's uh, largesse here any, any longer. Um, that's going to have to happen across the nation here for, in order for people to actually get back to work.
1: Dutch, before we let you go, when we're speaking to Dutch of Carnivore Trading, you all know CarnivoreTrading.com. dot uh, Use promo code Buck. They're a sponsor here on the show. I, I'm using. I'm getting my Carnivore messages every day and and taking specific trades based upon what their team of experts is doing. I wanted to hear from the man himself behind this, Dutch. Uh, for for people who are thinking, I, you know, uh, this market feels so choppy. I don't know. You know that they're, they're a little they're a little shy about it. They just figure, oh, I'll. I'll just park all my money in a four hundred and one k or something. You know, what, what do you say to people who are who are shy about using some of their, you know, a reasonable amount of their of their uh, saved assets to get into the market, Dutch, at this stage when it feels like everything is already so expensive?
9: I understand. I think that um, I think that what you have to understand is that bonds are probably a guaranteed loser of money over the next five years as interest rates come up. So you can't go there. You don't earn any money in uh, your money market funds at a bank or at a brokerage firm. So you really can't go there. Um, The homes uh, prices have gone up quite a bit. And will they continue to go? Maybe in an inflationary market, they will. um, But that's not an asset that you can push a button and turn into cash when you need it. So. The real, the really only asset class that's available and the only place that you, is, is the stock market that's going to give you some kind of return, we think that you really need to maintain uh, a stance of quality. So, for example, today, our purchase, our recommendation, the only one we made today was NVIDIA. Symbol is N-V-D-A. And this is one of the highest quality technology stocks on the planet. Uh, they've got an earnings report coming up. They've got a four for one uh, stock split coming up. And we think they might get added to the Dow Industrial Average. That's our best pick.
1: There you go, everybody. Dutch. I'm, I'm using this. Dutch and I are, 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 are talking about this stuff because I'm using his service. I'm using Carnivore Trading every day. Go to carnivoretrading.com. Make sure you use promo code BUCK. Try it for two weeks free. And you're hearing from the man himself here, Dutch, and we'll have him back on the show to talk more about it. Dutch, appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you soon.
9: Appreciate you, Buck.
1: All right. Producer Mark, buddy. I was down in Florida for the weekend. I was actually down in Palm Beach. It was fancy. It was very nice. So I got to tell you, I had a little a little bit of a tan going on. Great time with the Snow Princess. We had such a, a really fantastic, we had amazing weather. Producer Mark, we, we, gotta, we at least got to get Freedom Hut South going. Like, we got to have a place that we can do the show and we can go down there whenever we want. You know, I I don't know. Maybe We're going to have to find a place that's a whole heck of a lot less expensive than Palm Beach, though. My Lord.
10: We're going to have to just get really friendly with our affiliates down there. So they just let us come whenever we want.
1: Yeah, something like that. Because right now I'm just sitting around saying, my gosh, I mean, when when the weather is good in Florida and you're just going around there enjoying life, it's very nice. Very nice thing.
10: Yeah, it's almost like a different world.
1: Yeah, it feels, feels pretty good. What's going on, Producer Mark World? Tell everybody.
10: Uh, you know, just the same. We're just waiting. My life is perpetually waiting for stuff to happen.
1: Are you waiting on the world to change?
10: Yes. Thank
1: Expose you, John Producer Mark's Mayer. waiting on the world to change. Producer oh. Mark, yeah, yeah. All that stuff, uh, right?
10: I think you just offended John Mayer.
1: Uh, well, probably, and hopefully, we didn't have too many people that decided to hit hit stop on their podcast or change their radio. Drivers.
10: I mean, I got to be honest; I might have if I was. listening.
1: Yeah, if yeah. you, if, well, fortunately, you're paid, sir. Yeah, I have so no choice but to be here. We got, we got to keep you there. Um, yeah, it's, I went. Uh, let's say I was down there in Palm Beach, and uh, and I very much, very much enjoyed my stay. And I just was thinking a lot about Florida. And it's funny because the the, the right wingers down in Florida I talked to are all. Feeling like they they they're like the people you talk to who bought Bitcoin when it was like a thousand dollars or something. They they got a real a real swagger, you know, a real pep in their step. They're like, yeah, that's right, that's how we do things here, you know. We we got Ron DeSantis, we got a state that just that just had a definitive uh, red wave in uh, in the election. You know, did really well for Republicans, even though uh, we had a little problem with the whole Biden winning the election thing going on. But I got to tell you, Florida's really great. So I've been to a couple of places in the last few weeks, you know, out in Tennessee and now in Florida. And man, there's some great places to live in America. New York feeling a little bit less like one these days. You, you don't ever hear the Mad Max procession of motorcycles, do you? That's not something you have to deal with where you are.
10: Uh, I mean, I hear I-95 and trains going by.
1: All the time. Oh, all year, yeah. OK, well, that's a different thing. But still, yes. that I can imagine. I don't get to hear the
10: motorcycles. No,
1: I've never I've never seen anything like this in my life. It's all the time. And they love to do it at night, too. When people are sleeping, they will have these motorcycles. It's a motorcycle gang. I mean, I, I don't know if they're like a, a, a technically a gang, but it's a big group. It's a gaggle of motorcycle riders. And there'll be 30, 40, 50 of them sometimes. And they're the loudest motorcycles you've ever heard. I mean, they're they're clearly uh, adjusted they, they, they mess with them mechanically to make them as loud as humanly possible and then from there uh, you have to just say well why don't they enforce the laws against excess noise that these motorcycles are clearly uh, and, and they, they just don't care doesn't matter they won't enforce the law producer Mark I sit here and I say why not I feel like if they, they can make me wear a mask, can't they pull people over if that have? Would they have a decibel? Or you can get it. You can download an app to your phone. I know this may sound all get off your lawn like, but to be, but you can get a, an app on your phone, which I actually have. <laughs> so there's that. That's a decibel reader for when people are too loud, and they could just the cops could sit there like they do with a speed gun, but with a decibel reader, and just say sorry, dude, your your car is. and we all can tell. Ear-splitting volume from these vehicles.
10: Yeah, I think they do that when they actually see the car. But like, you going get chase loud noises around South Florida or anywhere?
1: Well, it wasn't South. I wasn't having this in Florida. It happens in New York. That's oh, the one thing. that right. I, I yeah. came back here, and it was just, it was just driving me, uh, driving me absolutely. Can, can
10: you imagine nuts. the NYPD just searching Manhattan for loud cars?
1: I mean, if you've seen how fast the NYPD can get tickets on people's cars for illegal parking, you'd think anything was possible. I mean, they, they that's the one thing that they do really, really well. Um, they will get a, a ticket on your vehicle in at, at a speed that is truly, uh, truly mind-blowing, you know? so
10: I feel like that's the only way the city makes money anymore. They just ticket people's cars.
1: It is one of the ways, huh. for sure. All right, let's get into a little bit of a little bit of last. We'll do more roll call tomorrow. Um, but we've got... Uh, I'm, I'm going into the, the gram here, the Instagram. And we have a, a lot of people, I've got to say, a lot of people are sending me links. And I just want to tell everybody this. I appreciate you sending me links, but just understand, as a as a public person... I am very uh, I'm very slow to click on links for obvious reasons, because I get trolls and leftists and people like that that are sending me things that, you know, that that if I click on, it's a virus or, you know, who knows. So so I would just say if you're going to send me a link, guys, because we're getting a ton of these in the every day now, uh, people just send me a link. Give me a sentence or two about what this is. And, you know, so basically it's like how I, I know that you're a person And it's less likely you're either a bot, because there's a lot of that. I get bot links sent to me. And also, I know that it's, I I can usually tell if someone is a psycho leftist or not. Um, You know, I can usually tell that. So uh, that's why I, I just need them to send me stuff that goes along with the link. SA writes, hey, Buck, you're not too far off the mark on the idea of Lookism. a novel was published a while ago in 1960. It is a dystopian novel by L.P. Hartley. Essay, I don't know what that is, but I appreciate you writing it. Wow, Mark, you really, it's its amazing, um, you know, how many links we have here. Sarah writes in, Buck, big fan of yours. I saw this on my Facebook feed that I am so shocked at how this stuff is openly shared on the left. Thought I would share scary stuff. Sarah, thank you for writing in. And, uh, and again, I, I, but see, Sarah gave me a link, but she told me that she's a fan and she wants to write in. So, so this is my little ask for everybody for roll call. Please give me a sentence or two so I know you're a person and not a robot and also you're not a psycho leftist. And then we can click on the links and, and include them and everything else. Because uh, the first 50 things I see here, Mark, in our roll call inbox on Instagram are links from people. Just links.
10: I have a better ask and people are going to call me grumpy for this. Um, Don't write in to mess to message Buck on Facebook or Instagram unless it's for roll call. Don't send links.
1: Well, that's a that's another that's another point. (laughs) Mark just took it in a whole other direction. But we have so many links in our inbox and we want roll call messages. So please, please roll call messages. That's actually a better idea, too. Uh, So we'll hopefully get more of these tomorrow. And we love new roll call, folks. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Send us a message on Facebook. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com or on Instagram. Buck Sexton. Send us a message there. We'll get to it. Team, back tomorrow with more Shields High.